podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Accidental Podcast or something like that. I'm Les Bubka and my today's guest is Mike Clerk. Uh, karateka, a singer, uh, artist, and uh, a Scottish person. So it might be a bit of a challenge for you guys. You've got a Polish accent and Scottish accent, and nobody's going to understand anything. That was Jamie for me, Jamie Gray. <laughs> How are you, Mike? I'm good. I'm good, Les. How are you? I'm yep. very good. Thank you. Good. Uh, could you give us some feedback or a bit bio on on yourself, what do you do, who are you? Uh, right, so I'm a Scottish singer-songwriter. Um, I've been creating music for a long, long time uh, and decided to go ahead and just do a project all on my own, pretty much. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, and pretty much been studying martial arts since I was about 17. I'm 41. Um, although I still say I'm 40 because I'm just not counting this year. You know yeah, I mean? no, no, nobody does. <laughs> you just get <laughs> and scratched off. It was forty twice. Um, yeah, so and I, I mean, at, at the moment, as as far as um, like my musical career is going at the moment, so I've recently signed a publishing deal and stuff this year, um, and I'm putting an album out at the start of next year, and I've done two singles at the moment, so I've just got two singles. So that's where I'm sitting, career-wise. Although I, d- I don't really. It's really weird that you find that in martial arts as well. A lot of people try and sort of validate themselves by what they're doing with their, with their financial success out of what they do rather than just their ability to do it. I mean, I, I know a lot of musicians that, are, that they don't make any money doing what they're doing, but they're absolute geniuses at what they do. And you'll find that in martial arts as well. There's really strong parallels, I feel, between martial arts and music, actually, when, when you look at it from a studying perspective. Um, yeah, that's me, so... I read that you nearly end up being in a primal scream, isn't it? Uh, that's, that's actually a really funny story. Um, it's a weird one because a lot of people don't really elaborate on that. Um, my press agent kind of insisted on sticking it in. And I was like, all right. Um, but that, this happened, oh man, it was years ago. So at the time, I had like no absolutely no idea how the music industry worked. I was a bit greener in the the greener in the years, I don't know. Um, and within like the space of like, it was about 10 days, my own band we had, which I was fronting at the time, I was, I was singing and songwriting, playing guitar for them. Um, we had like seven major labels wanting to come to one of our gigs. You know what I mean? Um, and during that same week, I got, the Primal Scream's tour manager, a really, he's a martial artist as well, actually. He does Thai boxing. Um, a guy called uh, Derek Birrell, I think his name is. Really, really, really sound guy. A bit, a bit mental, but good. You know what I mean? Um, so he asked me if I would like to do work for other bands. And I was like, well, I don't mind playing guitar for other bands. So I was chatting away with him about it. Um, and it was quite funny because at the start, I was like, well, so what, what band is it? Um, and it was, and he said Primal Scream, and I thought he was talking a lot of shit, so I told him to fuck off. <laughs> 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 but, uh, 
But no, it was right enough. I've had, had a bit of a laugh about it and stuff. So he was saying that they were rehearsing and or they had a gig or something going on in, was it Sweden? So anyway, I was going to have to go and get a passport because I didn't have a valid passport at the time. And I was unemployed at the time as well. Um, he says, we've got a passport sort of thing. It was Oslo. It was Oslo in Sweden they were supposed to be doing. Um, he says, so get a passport. They're rehearsing with someone else at the moment, but I really want, want them to consider you doing it. I really, really want you to do it. So I was like, great. So I went, and you know, like when you get one of these last minute passport sort of thing, when you go and get an interview and I had no idea how it worked. So I thought I would nip through, get a passport, yada, yada. Um, and it was my, it was my sign on day. One of my mates drove me to the passport office when I got the appointment for it. Mm -hmm. I spent my whole gyro on it, which was like 86 quid or something like that. Um, Wait about, waited about all day um, and missed my sign-in appointment at the Dole office. So I phoned them up and said, look, I'm not going to make it to, to sign on at the Dole because I'm in the passport office and I might be getting some work. And they're like, okay, so just come down tomorrow and we'll have a chat about it. So I thought, oh, that'll be fine. So I went in the next day, explained the situation and they were like well look you know that you won't get benefits if you're on holiday or says look i'm maybe getting work with a touring band mm -hmm. and they're like okay then they asked me who it was and i told them primal screaming <laughs> they just laughed at me and kicked me off the door <laughs> so, <laughs> so they thought i was like the best excuse uh, leaving job center best excuse for my, missing a signing appointment so i got booted off the door um they were doing it was the same year they were doing connect festival um, two nights in the trot, um, but they, they ended up um, using Little Barry. Little Barry, he does his own stuff as well. A guy called Little Barry, he's a tremendous guitar player. So nothing more really come of it from that. Like I mean, it, it's funny because down the line, I figured that one of my mates actually does the sound engineering for them. Mm -hmm. So really bad. So I, I still nip along at the gigs. Now. I mean, they're a great band. I mm. mean, I, I would never have. Even though I was on the doll, I would never have con considered joining them just because they were popular. You know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're a great bunch of musicians. You know what I mean? So I remember at the time, I was like, I mean, when I was learning the guitar, it was like I was studying all the Screamadelica records and stuff like that. So it was, it was quite surreal to me to be yeah. thinking. So I, I think, to be honest with you, at, at the time, I probably would have been a bit, a bit too shell-shocked by it. Mm. I mean, if I, if I actually look back, I, I didn't really think I was experienced enough to probably go for it at the time anyway, because I was still at, I was still kind of at an age where I think that I was probably a bit freaked out by famous people and stuff like that. And as you get older, I've got a couple of famous mates and stuff. People are just folk, you know what I mean? And, and I find that some that I didn't realise how surreal it can get till I've seen some people around, some of my friends that are quite popular, and you're like, why are people acting like? weirdos all of a sudden you know what I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's quite weird so yeah that, that was the story with that so I got asked if I would join so to cut that short I got asked if I could join Primal Scream and I was like this is going to be amazing spent my whole gyro when I had no money on getting a passport it never happened and then the dough kicked me off the dough so uh, it's a pretty funny story <laughs> uh, um how did you get involved in martial arts? All oh, right. So I think like when I was a kid, I used to remember like 
like probably most people, um, I, I loved watching like the old Shokazuki like ninja films. <laughs> and, and like you watch them now and like you like them because they remember you being a kid, but they're an absolute load of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I remember when I was a bit older, I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching um, Bloodspot. You know the, the oh, that's my movie. That's my favorite oh, movie. Great, great film. I mean, I, I can literally still watch it and tell you all the sounds, not even just the words that people are going to say. You know, <laughs> word for words. You know what I mean? Uh, it's an amazing film. It was a bit of a shame that you watch it and you're like, oh, this was a real guy and it inspires you. Then you find out Frank Dukes is just a... <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, like a lot of people when you didn't have the internet, you know what I mean? I think, what was the story about Frank? Was he going like up the woods? He was going like up the forest and like buying trophies and coming back to his mates and saying... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were no fraudster. I allegedly lots fraudster. I had no proof, so I'm, uh, I'm still oh, staying. Right. I mean, to be fair with you, if you watch any of his videos... I mean, you can, I mean, don't get me wrong, right? One thing that martial arts has taught me really, really well is you've got to be smart enough to know what you don't know, if that yeah. kind of makes sense, you know what I mean? Because I think, like, we've probably all been guilty of making assumptions on stuff and then you go, whoa, when somebody puts their hands on you. Um, but you just have to watch the way that Frank Dukes moves when he's doing seminars. You're like, fuck off. You know what I mean? It's like, he it, it it, it move all right, but I don't think it would move all right against an unstoppable target. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's quite funny that. So, so again, yeah, a total martial arts fraudster, mate, a film director, blah, 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 that inspired me to want to get into martial arts. Um, so I started, I mean, when I, when I was at school, I was always like rubbish at football. And so my mates used to, I mean, Mates being mates, they would always invite me for a game, but then I would get called ornament and stuff like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was always the last guy holding the fence at the end, waiting to get picked. Um, but they, uh, after I left school, I thought, well, I need to get into something. And one of my mates uh, was an was a amazing amateur boxer. So that was in Denbeath Boxing Club, a guy called Casey Nachman. And he said, come along and do some training. And I was still a bit naive. I thought, is everybody punching everybody's heads off? You know what I mean? I quite, felt quite intimidated by it at the time. Um, and I went along, done some boxing training. I was rubbish at boxing, but I loved it. I really, really liked the, the whole fact that I realised that I wasn't made out of glass. And I, it gave me more confidence to explore other avenues. And they, they were an amazing boxing club. I mean, there's, there's a lot of professionals come out with that club as well, like Kevin Anderson and stuff like that. Um, so I then went from that, I floated into Taekwondo for a few years. Um, I mean, Taekwondo, it's got its merits, um, but I, I was quite lucky at the time where the guy that was instructing me was quite good, but I found when other instructors came in, it's got quite quite popularly Taekwondo can, they try and sell stuff for what it's not, if that kind of makes sense. So they'll try and teach self-defense based on kicking, and it's like, yeah. look, you can start to see through it, and I, I think there's quite a quite a bad responsibility for that, really, because I think a lot of students will trust their instructor and get themselves in trouble. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, that wasn't what inevitably put put me off to stop training in the end. I just sort of never went one week and said I'll go next week, and it just lasted for ages. Um, I parted about a bit with some Chinese boxing, uh, with a guy called Robert Smith. Um, so I was basically just 
teetering around the edges. And then I eventually started training in um, Yosakan um, Karate and Jiu-Jitsu under mm. uh, Dave Dempster. And it was a bit of a shock to the system to start with. Um, because you probably know this yourself. Have you ever like have you ever done sport karate or anything before like that, Les? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sport, sport, but the knockdown karate, about sport, yeah, more Kyokushin stuff. Kyokushin, right, Kyokushin, right. So, again, Kyokushin is probably, although you can say it's sport karate, it, 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 you can't really hide in Kyokushin, you know what I mean? Uh, so, when I first went up there and trained, it wasn't like I got put through the mill, but I was pretty much very quickly enlightened to the reality stuff, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. Jeff, really really intriguing i mean a lot of people i mean don't get me wrong you, you've got to read people before you hit them you don't want to injure people you don't want to make them scared mm-hmm. or anything, you know what i mean um but the reality is is you get people at a certain level they need to know the psychological shock of being hit hard because mm-hmm. a lot of people give up purely based on that shock um um and i, I just i just kind of ended up addicted to it it was really really weird Made you start thing that oh you just you're constantly solving these puzzles in your head to figure stuff out and you're testing yourself and you're sore for days with lumps and then uh, so I, I just I just kind of found an addiction for it really so that's been I stopped doing music for about boy about twelve years something like that I mean I was still I teach music as well so I was still working teaching music um, but I stopped doing anything really for myself. Um, at the time, I just put my head right into martial arts. It just, it, it just gave me a different sense of sanctuary, if that kind of makes sense, Les. Um, and then eventually I was like, I'll get back into music. So it all, quite, all kind of happened by mistake, really. I just started writing a record and then it all kind of went, went for what it was. And, and why did you choose karate? Because you're doing karate, aren't you? Or you're in... Yeah, well, it, it's... Um, so Yosekan, um, do you know much about the Yosekan karate system? Yeah. No. It stemmed from Minoru Mochizuki, mm-hmm. um, and he was one of these guys that, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get too fanatical about the history of people, because you can read so much into people, you forget about your training, you know what I mean? Uh, and some of these guys have wonderful stories and stuff, but I think, I'm, I'm sure Mochizuki had quite a privileged background where he got to train with a lot of really high-ranking martial artists and a lot of different disciplines. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was quite a high rank. I'm, I'm sure Morio Shiba wanted him to take over um, the lineage for the Aikido at one point. Okay. But he, he was, I would say, I'm, sh- I'm sure it's, is it Shinto Ryu Jiu-Jitsu, I think was his, his lineage in Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, that's not my field of expertise, Jiu-Jitsu. So. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't quote me on it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an encyclopedia. I mean, when you, when you meet guys like Patrick McCarthy, you're just yeah. like, I'll, I'll leave it down. I'll leave it down to part to, to, to get the info. Because I mean, the guy, you probably know. I mean, if, if you've ever had a conversation with Pat, I mean, like, you ask him one question and like, you could write a book about the answer. You know what I mean? It's totally yeah. crazy. I had a few interviews with him. He, he he can talk. He can talk. Yeah, I mean, his knowledge is ridiculous. It's yeah. one of these things where, for a modern day guy, if he doesn't write down what he knows, eventually he's, a lot of that information will get lost with Pat. You know what I mean? He's got such a wealth of knowledge, yeah. And he's a bit of character. I quite like it. Pat's quite funny. quite like Pat. But, um, yeah, so Mochizuki, he studied Aido, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, Karate, and he was a Dan ranking grade in a lot of them. Um, 
And then he kind of took the aspect where he wanted to create like a, uh, is it a Sogo Budo system where it kind of encapsulates a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So, so when people initially trained at the Yosekan system, they got a bit of everything and you find that all these martial artists all kind of took their own branches off the tree because oh, people okay. suit things as well. So I'm sure that was the history of the Yosekan. And that was when, when Vernon Bell first introduced karate into Britain. Mm-hmm. That was it was the Yosekan banner it was under. Um, I think he briefly changed to Shotokan for some political reason, and then he ended up going back to Yosekan karate and jiu-jitsu. Um, and my own, my own instructor, um, he, his, his, his first showdown, I think, he got through Vernon Bell as well. So it's quite a short lineage as well. It's not, not really widely spread out. Um, yeah, so that, that was pretty much that. So, so I do find, though, I mean... When you look at, like, because, you know, like, if you look at extreme versions of, like, Okinawan karate to Japanese karate, mm-hmm. you put them in there too, because you do find some systems and they're kind of blended in, but when you look at Okinawan karate, it, look, it pretty much looks like it's got jujitsu in it anyway when you look at applications, you know what I mean? So it's just all yeah. line stuff. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you think of that, like, judo, they're just people are taking one aspect of something and just becoming absolute experts in that area because you've only got yeah. so much time to train, you know what I mean? So it'd be kind of, there'd be a, bit, a wee bit of hybrid, really, between karate and jiu-jitsu, really. Mm. So my, my, my teacher always so, said that, always said to me that uh, there's uh, saying karate in jiu-jitsu and jiu-jitsu in karate. So, absolutely. I mean, it's just a body movement. You know what I mean? Mm. And again, I'm, right. I'm speaking through my own limited experience, but it, it's like, you know, like, see, for instance, when you look at like Bunkai for, for car, right? That there's definite lessons within car that you can learn yeah. for to move and manipulate opponents, learning you how to make yourself heavier and harder and position yourself better and stuff. But you know, like how you can kind of like muck around with a car and try and learn a new sequence out of the same moves or whatnot. You know what yeah. I mean? You float about with it and try and see if you can come up with sequences from the car. That, that although it's really interesting and it makes you think, I mean, you could literally have people like doing that in a car and somebody will find a way to hurt you with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's a weird thing. So I, I think like when I look at Bunkai, I find it really, really interesting. But then when you, you see guys that really, really know their stuff, there's a definite lesson in it. Mm. When you when you look at guys like Paul Enfield showing you a bit of bankai for a car, it's like yeah, yeah. it's pretty dangerous. You know what I mean? There's another guy. Um, have you met Steve Lowe? Yeah, yeah, I know Steve. Yeah. All oh, right. Has, has he ever hit you? Has he ever gave you the old shot? Uh, he haven't he he hit me because we've been training with Paul Enfield in his dojo. So. All oh, right, right. I actually meant I actually this year meant to do karate for mental health with, in his dojo because he invited me, but because right. of a Covid, it just uh, never happened. So, great guy, Steve. He's a great guy. Um, the the next thing you train with him is you've got to ask him to hit you. It sounds like the worst thing, and and it does feel like the worst thing ever. Like, but um, it can. Did, did you ever studied at Yatifa before the shock delivery? Yeah, yeah I, I I felt it from different teachers, but not from Steve. Oh man, it's insane, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I think um. I think I had my blue belt at the time and I was I went kind of bobbing up to Steve when I first met him. I was like, what's this shotgun thing? 
Next thing, I was on the floor in the middle of the seminar, um, basically getting my lungs punched out my arse. Um, but it's such a devastating effect that when you feel it, you strive to learn it. I mean, I've been striving for it for years and years and years now since I felt it for Steve. And every time I see him, he, he's still developing it. So he does loads of mad wee tweaks on it. So it just gets more and more powerful. So every time I see Steve, um, he, he always hits me. Whether it's in the booze yeah. or the restaurant and the dojo, he's got, he's got to hit me like it. But it's shocking. But it's the same with Steve's stuff. He's, he's got an amazing way of kind of making your defensive application violent in order to deal with violence. It's a thing, I think it's astounding what he does. Um, but yeah, okay, I went away on a, on a tangent again. I, I do that. I do that. <laughs> Going back to what you said that uh, it's just movements. I don't know if you're aware of Bunke Bastards. Yeah, I've, 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 I've watched, I, I go down the rabbit hole a lot, um, looking at all sorts of martial arts stuff, and they've, they've got some amazing stuff. Well, they've got a t-shirt, it's all fucking movements. <laughs> <laughs> which, I, which I really like. Um, so bringing back <coughs> kind of to the question which I ask everybody, uh, it's going to be two ways for you because it's the music and karate. Um, yeah. What do you think were the uh, impact of karate and music for your mental health? Uh, there's there's very 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 similar strands to how you learn and develop musical and martial artist ability. Although there's different mindsets involved in them, they're very very similar in a way. Where you know, like, you know, like when you're in the dojo, nothing else really matters until you leave. So anything could be going on. And it just gives you this thing where like, like time doesn't exist. You've just got this thing that you're doing. You know what I mean? M music's exactly the same. I, I would always advise anybody to get into a musical instrument because it's great for just clearing it. Um, but I think like, I think anything that's challenging um, is going to change you for the better. You know what I mean? You've got to, I think what martial arts taught me more than anything was that ultimately um, your fights with yourself. That's how you deal with stuff that comes to you um and you're a lot more capable than you think you are people are you know what i mean people are a lot more capable than they think some people funnily enough when they get drunk think they're more capable than they are which uh, <laughs> which, which is why a lot of us do what we do but um i think that's uh, i think martial arts learned me to kind of get over myself if you like forget about the ego side forget about so, for instance, like, so things like how a lot of guys typically don't like talking about their feelings if they're feeling bad. I don't mm -hmm. give a shit. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm just an open book with anybody. I don't see the point in why people should all of a sudden feel feel like they should be embarrassed for feeling a certain way. Because it, there's one thing you can't do is change the way you feel about something that's totally out with your own control. You know what I mean? I, um, so martial arts taught me really to get over myself, get over my ego. Because you, you know that there's always a leveler, no matter there's always a leveler that will be there so you, you see it in Brazilian jiu-jitsu clubs you always have like one of these mat guys that where if someone's gone too hard with the lower grades they'll just be like come here and they'll just dominate the guy you know what I mean uh, you, you, you always get that so there, there's always a leveler in the arts like and I think it's the same with music because um, as you start performing music you do get these wee voices that make you think you're a wee bit special because everybody's looking at you you know what I mean um, and then eventually you just realise you're like, no, nah, that's absolute nonsense. Um, 
total nonsense is just a bit fortunate that if you can end up making a living doing something that you would do anyway, it's mm. always a, you know what I mean? I also think when you get to the point, like anything where, if you <coughs> say for, for instance, I, I was at a level and I had the time and the audience to teach karate full time, say that's what I was doing all the time, then I'm going to ultimately become a better teacher because I'm constantly going to be doing it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to put my mind somewhere else and then coming back. You know what I mean? Uh, um, so I, I think like that there's always good things um, for people mentally getting into any type of physical, even any type of physical exercise, but something that challenges you. And you know, like, you know, like in martial arts, how there's something quite strangely bonding about everybody kicking each other in the head. Yeah, yeah. Something quite bonding about that. Music's quite the same. You meet other musicians on the road and stuff like that, and you meet some crazy, char- amazing characters. You know what I mean? And martial arts are the same. You have met, I mean, like Big Jamie. Mm. Jamie's, <laughs> uh, uh, Jamie's, uh, Jamie's some boy. Let's say, uh, let's put it that way. Like, you know I mean, but um, yeah. So I, I think ultimately. The arts gave me the confidence to be more in myself and admit who I really am in myself, mm-hmm. as it at the same time. I think I think that's what the arts done for me. Like, cool. Um, can you tell me more about your music? What type of music? I've I heard both of your singles. Uh, oh. So, uh, Jamie actually introduced me to them, which I'm thankful for him. I really really enjoy it. I really like it. And if it, I put oh. the links in the description so that people can have a listen because it's worth it. Um, can you tell me more about the, what you're doing and type of music and stuff? Yeah, well, it's more... I, have to, I have to say that uh, I am completely deaf. I enjoy music. <laughs> I try other day to teach. I do lessons for my son. He's four. Yeah. And we do different type of lessons. And one day I said, right, we're going to do music. Yeah. I open the book. Look at it. Yeah, okay. Well, it's not going to... He said to me, daddy, uh, let's stop now because it doesn't work. <laughs> my but, wife my wife is a bit of a musician as well she plays a uh, um, guitar and stuff so uh, she can teach me but I'm completely deaf uh, like anything you develop it so so see for instance if you had never eaten an orange before right if you'd never eaten an orange and someone put orange in something you were eating you wouldn't know what the fuck it was you'd have no idea you know what I mean but the more you do stuff, you notice it's like, it's like if you're walking through a park and you smell shit, you're not looking for it. Your mm. brain just there. So what happens with music is the more you practice, you inherently, your brain just goes, oh, I think that's a G. It just recognizes it. It's like when you, it's like when you look at people trying to get automatic movement in martial arts when they're not thinking, you know, that mm-hmm. sort, of, sort of motion stage that is the brain's just telling them what to do. Yeah. It so much. It's, it's exactly just the same process, but, what I would say about learning music, thing that a lot of people don't address, um, there's no real intelligence to it because I'm just a bloody idiot. You know what I mean? And I, I, I learned to do it, but it's about seeing and understanding what the instructions mean because they're fully protectionism, Les. You know what I mean? You probably have seen that in certain martial arts things as well, people hiding stuff for you. Uh, music was seen as a thing for the upper classes at a point. You know what I mean? Um, and initially, when people first started wanting to record anything they've, they've written, the only way they were able to record something was to write it down. Mm-hmm. And 
and you come and visited me, and you just went and played that to everybody, then it's yours. I mean, there's evidence even like Shakespeare having plagiarized writers and stuff away back then because mm-hmm. do. So musicians would start using symbology to keep their own notes and stuff. And then that, as that evolved into people collaborating as it built up into big massive orchestras, they then mm-hmm. started getting wee bits of what they thought made sense and developed into what we now see as written music. So it's basically just all mathematics, it's fractions of time and pitch. But then when the academics realized it was mathematics and they could teach it to people in the upper classes that could afford an education, they put more subterfuge in it. So it was more protected for people. So when when you're looking at a a piece of music, let's think about it this way, right? When you look at a music book, it's literally just an instruction manual, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's so shit an instruction that you need instructions to read it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I could sit and pretend that I'm really, really clever, that I understand what it means. But the bottom line is I would never figure it out unless someone showed me initially. So when yeah. someone all shows you how to join the dots in it, for instance, guitar music's written upside down, right? It's like, mm. what? The skinny string that's at the bottom of the guitar, they call that the top string. Um, there's arguments that they would say, well, it's the highest note. You look over your instrument when you look down it. But then when you look at a ukulele, that's got the same physical setup, but they do it <laughs> You know what I mean, there's no, if you're driven by logic and you're trying to work out music theory, it's not going to happen. You'll find <laughs> a pattern, you'll think you'll see a pattern and then there's something in it to switch. They do it in every single thing. So when, when I teach people um, how to understand it as they're going, I like to teach people how to play first before we start looking at the meanings behind stuff. All right. You're then discussing something that you, you know, you know what I mean? It, it'd be mm. like, like my dad's an electrician. I wouldn't trust me to wire a plug. But if he was wanting to teach me how to read an electrical diagram, he would probably show me how to wire a plug and then show me the diagram for that so I can understand. You know what I mean? You're much better doing music that way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, really strange thing where unless you've got someone sitting showing you or you've got someone something you can find on the internet that makes a bit of sense, it's mm. got that in it. I mean, it, Literally, when I'm teaching people that are either doing exams or playing performance or trying to work out books, I'll literally show them a pattern and say, what bit does not fit on that pattern? And they'll spot it and I'll say, that's the bit they've put in purpose. It's in everything, no matter for you sitting trying to look at the the setup of an instrument, right down into the grammatical theory and behind it, there's always... I mean, you get things like like scales, they'll talk about intervals and numbers like one to seven and then start talking about them being starting points and they just replace those numbers with the names of ancient greek tribes <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's like what as <laughs> it's that's totally bananas and i could i could speak about it for hours um but it, it's one of these things where if someone explains it to you clear enough it, it's all right to understand this you know what i mean it's, it's like i'll throw you a wee bit of information like it's like with bunkai for us. I usually start teaching bunkai with the uh, application first, and then we go into kata. Ah, totally. So, so see, see, for instance, right. As soon as you see someone going right, I'm going to step to the left with Gadan Barai because there's some guy there swinging his shopping at me from the left. Straight away, you're like red flag. You know what I mean? Uh, um, but if you gave someone 
that had never done bunkai before or really understood grappling applications or how to shift your weight into a body when they're trying to resist you or whatever. And all they've done is contact sparring, which, for a better word, it's like a really light version of kickboxing, really. Mm. Yeah, don't get me wrong, I've seen some people taking some beauties at blows and sport karate and stuff. So it's, it's, still, a, it's still a discipline itself. Um, and if I, I believe I've had to fight most of these people by those rules, they would absolutely make a fool of me. Um, so it's a discipline on its own. But when you then get an instructor that's been through all these years and he's now like, I am the teacher here, a lot of people, when they teach in here, they feel that they should have the answers for everybody that asks them questions. So they'll look at a movement and say, oh, that's what it must be for. And they always look at the end of the movement. Yeah. So you can see why people would go down that road. You can understand it. The problem is then is convincing these people that they need to change their mindset. That's the only problem that you've really got with it. Yeah. But as you're saying, if, if you're teaching people movements and then you're doing the makata, it's all going to make complete sense. That, that's the smartest way ever to do that. Um, but you some shockers though, don't you? <laughs> you the ones where they kick them over the seats and everything like that. It's absolutely amazing. That looks great. But yeah. <laughs> um. How did you uh, come up with the martial arts theme for your uh, Keep Moving um, ah, video? Because I know that Steve and Jamie are involved in the choreography, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was absolutely gutted um, with the COVID situation because Steve was initially going to come up. You mean, but, but then they all got locked down and everything. Yeah. I was at that stage where like this area could not move, but this area could and everything was up and down. And I was totally gutted um, because Steve, as you know, is fanatical about violence, you know what I mean? And what we thought is we thought, right, I want, it, I want to make it look quite violent. So you, you probably noticed by watching the video, there's no real clean movements in it. Mm -hmm. You're struggling. You maybe get the one wee little bit and you go, oh, that looks a bit like martial arts in it. So it's, it's got to kind of look like that. But, but it was done on a budget where the director had never filmed action before either it was my second time acting in front of a camera so we completely blagged it um but what i wanted to do one is uh, do you know how like everything started to get off the ground this year with me actually uh you done the crowdfunding didn't you yeah man it was totally insane so i was thinking if i can raise like a thousand pounds over a month i might be able to put a single out and then maybe if that makes a bit of money put it back into it and uh, it made like four grand in like three or four days. It was totally crazy. So awesome. I, I ended up having to like, that was off one Facebook post. Totally insane. So so there was that one thing is where, and what, what I have done is like the album's artwork, when the album comes out, I'm threading everyone's names that contributed to it through the artwork. So it's there with them all the time. So they'll always be a part of it, even if a label ends up taking it on. So... But I wanted to do something where I wanted to get people involved. And two of my biggest passions is music and martial arts. Mm -hmm. uh, so I spoke to Steve, Jamie and Alan Bothwick. Um, who all, I mean, I, I never done, you know, like, you know, like when you really want someone to do something and you're so afraid of them saying, no, you don't really ask them. You kind of go, who do you think would be up for doing that? <laughs> you know what I mean? You kind of do I that. I know, I've, I've got that all the time. I'm just uh, doing a book with... Uh... <laughs> 10 of the top martial artists and it was like that should I send the email oh no he's not gonna have time too busy no it's, it's not worth it but eventually I done it and all of them said yes so. 
Yeah, is that a fear of rejection? I kind of done that thing with, with James, like, uh, do you think that, um, and they were like, oh, we'd have loved to do it. And I was like, yes. I mean, it, and it was one of these things where myself and Alan um, kind of, because again, we have to kind of work at the choreography without really being able to try it properly because you've got social distance and stuff and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that he ended up being a ninja was literally just because we had to have him in a mask because of the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's really weird. So you think there's much more meaning to it. And we're like, oh, so we were fleshing out all these ideas. And it was literally like, because we were trying to like get some military outfit. Initially, it was going to be like three people mm-hmm. and this big grand escape thing and everything. And it was just like, like it's not going to happen. We can't have too many people together in the one area and, and whatnot. Um, but... Um, so it was like four days before it, four or five days, we ordered like a ninja suit and we we're like waiting like the post coming the day before. <laughs> and the thing ended up in the bin, the suit I had ended up in the bin as well. But I mean, we never even really had the the smarts but it'd be like, well, because you know, you, you see me taking um, like a, a shoulder throw. Yeah. There. And there was loads of stuff we'd done that also didn't, didn't make the cut because you there's only so much stuff you can fit within a couple of minutes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even comprehend that when you're filming, you do about like 20 takes of the same thing. <laughs> so I was getting slammed into the fucking forest. And <laughs> yeah, you're like, I said forest, it's grass, but the forest isn't like that. There's fucking roots coming through the ground. Yeah. And, oh man, I, I mean, it was, the ground itself was more dangerous than working with a sword in it. So although we didn't use a katana with a live blade, <clears throat> but Alan's got this lovely Japanese katana. It's still got a sharp tip though. So mm-hmm. it's just a blade. So like that will do. We just have to watch the tip. So when you see me and shots having to move away from the edge of the blade, they were the ones where it was like, fuck. I mean, I mean J- <laughs> J- the funny I mean the funny thing is there was a couple of one the couple of shots here that we took in the first scene where Jamie just kind of filmed it on his phone for the background. So you've seen the director and stuff. Uh-huh. And when Alan's swinging the sword at me, you hear it like whipping through the air. It's like, Whoop! and I was like, Fuck. <laughs> so it was pretty, it was pretty crackers. Um, so I, so that, so the martial arts thing was one was me trying to get people involved that I wanted to, because I like, I'm one of these people. I don't, although it might look like I like everybody looking at what I'm doing, I'd rather share that with people. I'd, I'd rather be a part of something that was good than just be yeah. this thing on its own. You know what I mean? Um, and getting guys that one I adore as friends, two I completely look up to as martial artists. I, I learn off them every single time I see them. You know what I mean? Um, and just getting just getting them involved for their knowledge and basically a bit of camaraderie and getting to see them. And I remember when Jamie turned up on the first day because um, the director had never met Jamie before, and you know with Jamie he's like. He's a really polite guy and he's got time for, he's one of these people who offers everybody's time. I think you would have to lose Jamie's time rather than I'm just not giving you. Mm. Um, but he likes a bit of nonsense, Jamie. You know what I mean? Uh, so I know. <laughs> Jamie was being all friendly and it was at one of the points at the start is Jamie was saying, well, listen, if you just move this way and you just kind of moved and I seen Sean kind of looking at the way that Jamie's articulation was, at, the dynamic of his movement, he just looked at him like, fuck. <laughs> and I was like, I should. <laughs> You'll kill you like you know what I mean. Um, so it was brilliant having Jamie there. Like I mean, he was moaning for about a good half hour about carrying mats through the through the forest, but uh, <laughs> it was a laugh. But um, no, it was it was invaluable. I mean, Steve 
he was involved basically remotely at the start, just throwing me ideas around. Mm-hmm. So he never managed to get right in the thick of it. And it gave me one of these ideas where like, I mean, you, you don't want to do the same thing twice, but a wee bit further down the line, I might try and do something like totally ridiculous and someone get mm-hmm. involved in. Um, it's was, it was a big learning curve as well. I mean, there's one thing. So you notice like, I take it when you notice when you were watching it, movement where there was genuine contact and movement when there's not really contact. Mm-hmm. Right. One thing that me and Alan figured out really quickly is we we're so used to hitting each other when we we're training, we couldn't really, <laughs> we couldn't miss. So see that scene at the beginning where I'm sitting on my knees, basically. I think that was the only hit I never punched me in the face. Like I had like a big cut inside the bottom because he just kept wrapping me in the face. I was like, but the director quite rightly pointed out. He was saying, look, when you actually hit each other, it doesn't look good on camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are so conditioned to looking at exaggerated movement. Yeah. You have to, don't think you're laying off this and kind of being fake about it because you do martial arts. He's like, but you're going to have to. Or it's going to look shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot to say about that where, you know, like when you watch genuine fights, they didn't look fancy. There's nothing... Mm-hmm. That, a bit at all is you know, so it's, it's that thing is you're like I've never even thought about that you know what I mean uh, but then I got a few sore ones like for Alan he, it was quite funny because he, he about decked me the first one and he was like oh I'm really sorry I was like look don't worry about it we'll just go again and he just fucking nailed me again <laughs> 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 it's quite funny but yeah so that that long story short again because I'm really bad at going on tangents Les but um, so that, that was the reasons why I like to get Jamie in I mean Alan he's roughly about the same size as me as well. So he was able to double up. So that whole thing about the, the single being about self-determination, mm-hmm. it's that message at the end where you're only really fighting yourself. You know what I mean? We tried to kind of portray yeah. that, so it was like, perfect. So he ended up as a ninja. With it. It was, originally it was going to be military, but it ended up being a ninja. Um, but uh, I, it was great to just get them all involved. It was good to see everybody in person as well, although you've got to kind of, you're outside, you've got to keep a wee bit of distance to be safe about it. But it was good just to see other people as well that you know from among your face, you know what I mean? Are you going to have more more clips and more songs involving martial arts? Hopefully. Um, I, I mean, the I've, I've, what I'm doing is I'm going to do three singles and then put the album out next to the third single. You know what I mean? So there's no point in doing more than that because then people are like, why am I buying everything twice? You know what I mean? I don't want to do that. Um, so the first single was like a kind of performance-based single with wee bits of narrative threaded through it, which is quite funny because it was the first time I'd ever done any acting, but my acting just really was just me procrastinating. <laughs> just, <laughs> just me hanging around looking bored. I was like, I'll do that, no problem. Um I mean, I put trust in the director. I just says, listen, I've never done any of this before. So just you tell me what to do and I'll do it. If it looks shit, just tell me. So I'm basically your puppet for the day. So they, I just, I'm a believer that if people are good at what they do, just let them fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just, just got to let them do that. So that was the first one. The second one, we're like, right, it's, it's got to be like a chase scene or something with, with no performance in it. It's not about playing the guitar. Um, and the director, Sean, uh, a guy called Sean De Francesco, quite funny, he's an Italian guy, uh, an Italian Scottish boy, born, born in Italy, raised in Scotland. But it's quite funny because every time you phone Sean, he's doing like the most Italian things. 
sorry, I'll just be a minute. I'm making cinnamon buns. I've just been making sour. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, he's the most Italian guy on the planet. Um, but Sean was like, listen, we're not going to play proper pop star with us. He says, because one thing is, we can only make it look as convincing as possible with one, the budget we've got, two, experience, three, we're trying to shoot something that should take three days and one day. You know what I mean? Um, it says, but the benefit that you've got as musicians that tend to do anything like that, as music videos that I've found, it's just people punching boxing bags that can't really punch properly. So you're not mm-hmm. really worried about uh, having to look totally perfect. He says, but one condition is, is you've got to look like shit all the way through it. He says, so you're not doing this thing where you're going to play pop star and you're going to look all great on camera and we're going to take all the good angles of you. He says, everything about you in that flick should look like you look like shit. So even at the point, um, they were like, I was eating like loads of salty crisps and like just keep drinking water. So I look quite bloated. <laughs> it was one of these things where I watched the bar. I was like, that's quite cool. But I was like, if I was a single guy on Tinder, I wouldn't be using it. I wouldn't be using it. I mean, I'm struggling as it is. Um, so it's, so I was kind of like, so the second one I was like, well, it's all got to be a visual piece of art. So I was like, I'm cool for doing that. So the third one, we've got to decide on something different again. You know what I mean? Um, but like anything, is like anybody that's got that martial arts addiction, it's like, I would want martial arts involved in it all. You know mm. what I mean? I mean, it, if you get me in a corner drunk with anybody, it could be your 80-year-old grandmother I'd be trying to talk to her about jiu-jitsu. You know what I mean? <laughs> But as I think I have had a thought, because I've got a wee bug for it, it's like maybe doing the line for maybe a second album, get something. It would have to be a completely different concept, but I would love to do something to get lots of really... I mean, you think about probably even just by yourself, probably the two years here already, mm. so many people that you know that are like, they're, they're like world-class at what they do. You know what I mean? Mm. Like even speaking to yourself, Les, I mean, your stuff's amazing. I was, I was, I watched when Jamie phoned me, I actually sold. I was like, oh, I've been watching some of Les's stuff, you know what I mean? So, because you know, something that's good when you see it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's it's that thing with the martial arts community when you get the right people, and the, 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 you, you do tend to people tend to find that the people that are good at what they do don't really have an ego about it, yeah, yeah. Like, I, it'd be amazing just to try and get people involved and see what ideas would come out. So what do you think? What do you think? And something would just come out of thin air and it'd be like, that'd be the one. You do something absolutely amazing. Mm. So I would look forward to doing that, but it would probably be the next record just because I don't want to, don't want to sort of sell the same thing twice. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, you don't, you don't want to be put in the brackets. He's doing always the martial arts. He's Stevie Wonder and Jackie Chan and I want to, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, but um, that would be amazing. So yeah. Um, okay. Could you tell me where people can find you? Uh, when they can support you, buy stuff? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I've not, I've not put any like merch out at the moment. Um, I think one part of that is, if you do a gig, somebody maybe want to buy a t-shirt if they've been there. You know what I mean? I'm not going to start trying to sell people tart the now because I'm not done a single gig yet um, just to get money. So. Because everybody gave me that money to kick it off at the start, mm-hmm. so I, I always have this thing where I find it quite, I find it quite hard to ask people for stuff. So I'm like, I'm not going to do merch. You know what I mean? I give you a good advice because I'm the same. And as you can, 
Hey, I start doing t-shirts. I've got my hinky t-shirt. Yeah, hashtags. Do merchandise. People love supporting. I've got such an amazing... I was like, you oh, should I do that? That t-shirt, I'm going to do two. It's so, uh, so supportive crowd there. And they keep sending messages. Oh, do next one. I want the next one. Come up with something new. So just go and do it. That's a good advice. Right. I think like, your, uh, your Hecate, we've got uh, the Hecate Forever hashtag was pretty deadly for the <laughs> forums there. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's that's crazy, absolutely crazy. I mean, I mean, what do you think of like most of the karate forums when you find them on Facebook? What's your own opinion? Uh, sorry, can I say that again? When you go on like a Facebook karate forum, any general in particular, it's uh, what what's your opinion on like the percentage of valuable knowledge that you find from it yourself? It, it depends where. Um, you know, you go to Ian Abernathy forum. Ian stuff's amazing. That tons, tons of people who con contribute there. It's thousands of really good ones. You go on Jesse Enkamp, which I cannot go anymore because I've been kicked out. I've been banned. Uh, I, got, I got banned many moons ago. Um, the thing is, I feel quite sorry for Jesse about that because he, he seems like a, I've never met Jesse, but he seems like a genuinely nice guy and he's really knowledgeable. Um, his movement's really good. He's marketing. He's, he's obviously trying to make a living by marketing himself. But you get surrounded by so much shit when you do that. You know what I mean? You've got to take that with it. Um, so it wasn't so much then for Jesse was coming out with. I mean, I've seen a lot of really, really valuable stuff that I've taken for Jesse. And I've also seen a lot of things that I've kind of been like, not, not really keen on, on that. Like, But again, you've got to be smart enough to know that you don't know stuff. So it's maybe my lucky understanding that, or whatever. Yeah. But some of the geezers in his karate forums are just insane. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of withdraw myself from the, I'm only sticking to those where, where I know the people and I'm yeah. kind of my um, bubble now, which is not great, but uh, I'm happy in my bubble. I was just like, it's like you can ask anybody any question and you would get like a meme of like a kitten looking into a lake with a tiger in its reflection and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> nuts but uh yeah i just ended up um i'm sure at one point i had a guy trying to troll me at one point but he was doing that i don't want to say typical american joke but you know like how typical american jokes are portrayed in films this yeah, yeah. Guy, you know you've never been in a fight and uh, you know what i mean my dick's the biggest dick i was getting this off one guy so i just kept replying to him about ancient japanese electricity and mountains um <laughs> winding him up so I just decided well he's obviously one of these like takes himself as a bit of an alpha male so I just started coming on to him I was like mm -hmm. you're the most beautiful guy I've ever seen <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> totally faked it and I got, I got banned I got banned off of Jesse's page for that a while ago like so it, one it was completely my own fault and I did deserve it I deserved to be banished for the karate nerds <laughs> I, I have no no idea why I've been banned. I've been polite to everybody and just one day been gone. Might, several I, other practitioners as well. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't know if it's down to maybe because I've seen that before where other people can't get on it and I'm like, well, I understand why I'm not on it. You mm. know what I mean? I totally understand why I'm not there. Um I drunk the Kool-Aid and went down the rabbit hole with the wrong people, you know what I mean? But um there's a lot of people I know that can't get on it. So I don't know. I don't know if it's maybe Jesse frightened some somebody else taking some of his audience. 
Um, yeah, I believe that's the that's the case because now he's moving more into practical martial arts. All right. I started doing the videos on the bunkais and applications and stuff like that. And I, I think I, that's clearing out. I also don't know if Jesse actually moderates his own Facebook site. Maybe it might be someone else that's doing it. Like a, again, I don't I don't know the guy. I mean, I I, I still watch his videos. He's, he's got that typical like. Um, Hey guys, everything's like really, <laughs> really like uh, like you're you're watching Rainbow in the, in the TV. But I like it. I, I like his stuff. Um, I I started now um, dealing with the trolls. I'm just saying, yes, you're right. Everything is yes, you're right. Where where I can't stick it, um, <coughs> some some dude um, just being abusive to old guys and stuff. You know what I mean? Some of these guys. I mean, obviously, I'm going to say no names or whatever. You probably recognise some of them, but you get some of these guys. They practice in a way where, at the moment, you you've learnt now. You go, actually, that's not a very safe way to practice or whatever. Yeah. That in the 70s, and these guys are still doing it, and they've got sore arms and whatnot. And you're like, you know what? I'm not going to be pointing it to this guy who who's right and wrong here. This guy's been through the mill. He's put up with fucking punks like me all his life. Leave him to it. Just be respectful. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, guys telling like elderly guys well listen should you maybe just admit to yourself that you're not good enough and you're like who the fuck is it so there's a lot of really rude motherfuckers really on these sites i think that that uh, I, I don't like to see that sort of bullying element in it and i think one person i think that deals with it very very well is paul enfield yeah i mean he's got a really nice way about kind of going right well fine then but he's, he's quite funny with it but yeah, yeah that sense of humor down that he's kind of telling off. He's, he's got a niceness about him, Paul. Paul and Michelle are, are, are again. I don't know them personally. I've trained with them at Jamie's place. Um, I watch other stuff, and sometimes it, Paul uh, was going to help me with some of the translations on this video as well, because some it was we we're going to get edits put in Japanese. Um, but that that I end up uh, not Paul's fault. I end up falling through the director. Uh, I found another translator as well, and the director couldn't get any of the fonts. <laughs> So I got I got binned a bit, but I mean, I mean they they've for a I would probably say for anybody that's getting into want to look at studying karate. I mean they're they're kind of a bit sort of wet around the ears enough to not know what's what. Mm. But I would probably request that even though I don't do goju goju out, if they're going to be looking on the internet, probably Paul and Michelle's stuff. They've got a nice. Yeah. You don't have an arrogance about them, and they're really, really knowledgeable. And I mean, have you ever trained with Paul? Yeah, yeah, I trained several times. Uh, um, actually, I've been talking with Michelle two weeks ago. She ran me in the thing because they are part of the book. Ah, oh, right. Said, oh, you you struck the chord, and I want to talk to you. And we spent talking an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's like it's that thing as well. When you look at the dynamics in Paul's movement, and again, like when he puts his hands on you, that, that's when you really know. And so he puts mm-hmm. her, you know, I mean, you can kind of feel, it feels a bit dangerous. So, yeah, man, they've got some great stuff. But um, I think training with Paul first, uh, when I uh, kind of grab hold of him, I would be training. First time I understood that what people were saying about Ushiba, that you're training with the gi. Yeah, yeah. When he, the directions from the resistant to punch, I felt like I'm holding a gi. It was yeah. uh, first I felt like something like that, but <laughs> um, I, I mean, again, it's it's that years of experience, you know. What I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's that sort of comes in it. And 
there's another thing where like I see sometimes and again the internet being the internet is there's a lot of people that are more interested in asking Paul about why he's not training with Iguana anymore than asking him about crying like what's it one it's got fuck all to do with you <laughs> what he's doing two what are you here for are you here to learn about karate or are you here to talk about people you know what I mean yeah. so, I'm, I'm guilty of that that was one of my questions on the uh, dinner you're a researcher. <laughs> you're a researcher you know what I mean <laughs> if I always want to write a book or study about stuff or provide some history with some value then cool that's a legitimate thing to be asking people hmm. but the amount of politics and martial arts is insane man you know what I mean yeah, yeah. I do agree. my own instructor Dave is like I mean, I, I, I train, I get personal coaching uh, for Stevie Ray, who's a Scottish guy that was in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's a fucking machine. I mean, when you're rolling about with an actual, like, world-class athlete, you know what I mean? It's a completely different thing. I train with Stevie a lot. Um, he's a great guy. He's a good coach as well. Um, my instructor, Dave, encourages me to train with other people. That's what he does. He's like, go train yeah. there do this with that guy you need to do a bit of this you need to loosen up going to a bit of boxing it's not about Dave wanting to be the boss if you like it's about I'm looking for what's alright with you you know what I mean and I think that's what most instructors should do but I think the sense of entitlement and you, you can see it when people are like Grandmaster Soke the third head yeah, yeah, yeah. the hedgehog before you did such and such I, I always found it quite surreal because I mean, I don't know how you felt like, but see when you first got your show done, right? Did you go through that thing where when you first put it on for the first class you attended after it, you just felt deflated? No, uh, I, I can't remember, to be honest. I, I had that thing. <clears throat> from, my, from all of my show done, I just remember that one of my friends from Germany said, uh, now you've got two choices. Either you know everything and you quit, or you realize that this is a, uh, you're starting to understand and you carry on. Absolutely, man. I mean, <coughs> I got over the fact of looking at grades when I started training with Dave anyway, because it's like, I mean, we could go a year or two without grading easily. You know what I mean? It just become and your ability, regardless of what you're wearing, is your ability. But I mean, people get their belts took down. If you've not been training, you're not doing well. And I was like, well, you're not saying we wouldn't say you're wearing the blue belt. And it's not about, it's not about trying to um, deflate people. It's just about being honest. Yeah. I mean, Give a guy a brown belt, tell him he's going for his black belt and you're just trying to be his friend, he's going to be too confident. He's going to go and try and solve a situation and get fucking hospitalised. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I remember when I when I first ended up getting told, and my black belt exam was a bloody, like anybody should be, it was a total nightmare psychologically and and physically. But um, I remember the realisation, like, I lined up for my first class and I put my black belt on. And I stood there, and I was like, well, this isn't like some magic elixir that's going to give me any ability. My ability is <laughs> just my ability. It's just, it's just it's a belt. It's basically just a managerial system within your own club, so you know who can teach who. You know what I mean? So it was, it was that thing. It was like, because I remember when you first start, you never ever think you're going to get there. Um, but I think like a lot of the people that hold on to titles, they're kind of just losing what it should be about. I mean... Everybody's got experience. I've trained with some of Steve Lowe's guys that had green belts, and I'm like, this guy's going to take my fucking head off. You know what yeah. I mean? I have. And, and, and again, I've trained with some guys at, at some seminars that were like third, fourth dance that they couldn't apply locks correctly or whatever. 
And it's not to rubbish them. They might be amazing at something else. You don't know what their journey was to get there. You know what I mean? But it lets you learn pretty quickly that a lot of people that are still doing martial arts still look at the belt system the way that a guy in a pub looks at it that knows nothing about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they still look at it that way. Like, you're a black belt. You should be wiping out a bar. And it's like, my brother's done no martial arts. And I'd probably put my money on him before they put on me. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, um, yeah I, I, found, I found that um, thing like... I don't know if I kind of went on a tangent there, but um, I did find that like it, as we, the further you progress with it, the more you realise that what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, a hundred percent, and I think that's the addiction of it, though. Do you find that, Liz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this never-ending jigsaw puzzle. You know what I mean? And you find a piece. I, I, I love that about it. So I, I like I like learning stuff. Um, but I, that's where they say it's lifelong. I think it's longer than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I always comparing my, my martial arts to uh, like being a collector. You uh, ah. got one stamp, then you see another one. Oh, I need that one. I need that one. I need that one. And there's always something new coming up. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's a great way of looking at that, actually. Um, you, know, it's like, you know, it's like sometimes you just have a conversation with someone and they say something and it just changes the way you think. That, yeah. that's, no, that's that's it. You've you've got me with that one, Les. Like, so that that makes perfect sense to me. Absolutely. Yeah. But but then there is other problem that you know uh, I've got that with studies. So I never been good at school. And in the twenties, when I become twenty years old, I started learning, and I'm kind of addicted to getting new course. Oh, there's new interesting course. I go and do that. I go, yeah. So collecting degrees. <laughs> no use of them, but oh, that's interesting. I do that. Yeah, totally, man. Totally. Um, but I, I think that's really the beauty of doing stuff. I mean, because when you're when you're when you stagnate, I mean, you stay still for too long. You know, it's like you, you ever met someone that you were at the school with, and you've not seen them for like twenty years, and you meet them, and you think they're like sixty, because they yeah. just and it's because they're not doing anything. They're just going through this, this roundabout, which is cool. Ken, I'm not telling anybody how to live their life, but it's like you've got to be doing something. You know what I mean? There's no point in saying, well, this is... I mean, at the moment, I can see why the pandemic is going to be difficult for a lot of people that cannot do the stuff that they like doing to function. It's going to be hell for them. You know what I mean? Uh, um, but aye, if you're not doing anything, then you're just going to, you're just going to wither away. Although I've never, never seen the point in that. Well, I think you want me to give people my, my contact details. <laughs> that was a long way around. <laughs> I know, I know. By the way, you want to see me with a few pints in me. Fucking nightmare. Total nightmare. But, um, is, that, is that not the Scottish trades? Yeah, man. Um, my, first, my first unsupervised home drinking session during the pandemic was on Zoom with Alan Borthwick, the guy that plays the ninja. Um, and I was sitting where I'm sitting right now, and I've got a smoke alarm. Uh, on my ceiling. If I put if I point my camera up, you'll see that it's still been torn off the. See, that? I don't know yeah. if you. Can see that. Yeah, yeah, you can see it. But but it's off the, <laughs> the wall because it, it malfunctioned, started going off for no reason when I was sitting on Zoom with Alan, and we're sitting getting pissed, putting the world to rights. And I stood up. I was like, I'll put that off the noon. I stood up on the couch to switch it off. Totally fucked it. Snapped my coffee table in half. Laptop went that way. Beer went this. <laughs> and the smoke alarm's still going off. You know what I mean? And I'm lying on my fucking arse on the floor. Um, and I, I picked up my... And Alan's still just rolling about laughing. He's just like, what the fuck is going on here? 
Drinking is a good one, but unsupervised house measures are a fucking terrible idea. Tell <laughs> um, yeah, so my, my contact details, it's, I've got, and it's myself that runs them. So if anybody wants to ask me a question about something or they want to give me a bit of shit about something I've said or whatever, um, it's myself that does the most, but it's, it's Mike Clerk Music is just the slash. So I've got a YouTube channel. Um, I've got an Instagram, a Twitter and Facebook, pretty much. So you'll find me on, on all of them, Les. I'll put all those in the description below so people can click. Uh, Mike, thank you. I'm going to have to go and pick up children from the nursery. It was a pleasure to you. Absolute pleasure to speak to you, man. I mean, when everything comes in, hopefully we get an opportunity to train, man. Yeah, get... well, uh, Jamie's got a big dodger now. We're all going there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. All, all the best, and I hope that you're going to succeed in your chasing the career, and uh, I can hear you on national TV and everywhere. Thanks very much, Les. Listen, it was lovely meeting you. Uh, it was okay. great, Les. You take care of yourself, mate. Huh? Thanks again. Take care. Bye bye.